Yeah, I will make a short presentation about anti-war movement in Russia. And there is unfortunately lots of information, but we can maybe have some discussion and questions in maybe half an hour or 40 minutes. I maybe made a bit too many slides, but let's see. So, yeah, welcome. My name is Antti. I haven't actually been in Russia for 10 years because I was deported in, in 2012. Before this, I lived in Moscow for 13 years, and, but I'm still involved in some collectives, mainly in, in prisoner support and spreading information and so on, and uh, translating Russian materials. So I wanted to make a small presentation what's up with uh, the anti-war movement in Russia because there is not always so much information on the sort of grassroots resistance in Russia. But first I have to say a couple of words. In general, what's the opposition in Russia? Because it's a bit a strange system because there is kind of not opposition, but there is still like opposition in the parliament and there is basically kind of three different uh, oppositions but yeah I make a small presentation on the anti-war movement in Russia but uh, first how to say a short like what is in general opposition in Russia so there is is kind of official opposition which is our parties in the state Duma but they are really it's a bit similar system like they used to be in the East Germany and it's still existing in China and North Korea that there are some opposition parties and they have some seats in the parliament but they are not allowed to oppose any foreign policy decisions or some if they some individual deputies are opposing they are just taking them from the parliament and forcing them to go to exile and so on and this communist party is basically like main structure like this, but there are a couple of other parties. There is also like pro-Putinist liberal party, pro-Putinist social democrat party and so on. So this is kind of the systemic opposition. But besides this, there is a, a, is a grassroots opposition, which is different, uh, different uh, independent trade unions, which don't have a any big uh, presentation in any sector but they are in some sectors they used to be able to organize some strikes and environmental organizations human rights organizations and so on and then also anarchist and leftists leftists who are all somehow might be network to each other then there is kind of in between position for example yabloko party it's kind of liberal party but it's also usually opposing some illegal or non-permitted grassroots protests. It's, it's, it's tries to get uh, to some uh, their deputies elected to Duma and the local governments, but they are not very succe successful in this. But also from, especially during the last maybe eight years, because there is less and less chances for street opposition, there are some uh, kind of grassroots activists who try to join the official parties. And they are kind of inside, for example, there is Mihail Lobanov in the Communist Party, and there is Shane uh, in the Just Russia Party, And uh, but might be that this kind of activity also becomes impossible. But so, now we discussed, what, so now nothing more about the systemic opposition, they basically are parties who all have been supporting the war, except some individual exceptions. But so the street 
movement since since the 2011 and 2012 they were important years because there was a big um, movement when the Putin decided to elect himself be a president for a third time there and there was a big wave of protests but eventually it was kind of, of like nothing much came from it because just the protests themselves didn't uh, change much but and also they were like uh, some of the de demonstrations were repressed and uh, lots of people were sent to jail jail there was also like occupy action in moscow for around one week that time but there had still been like uh, even successful grassroots protests since then there was a big movement of truckers against the new taxing system it was not very successful, but there was a very successful protest against the pension reform in 2018, where the government had to give up, partially abandoned the plans to have a higher pension age. They, it was like partially abandoned reform. And there is like ongoing already more than 10 years, like environmental protest against the trash. Trash because uh, like, there is lots of landfill, like illegal landfills, which are causing even uh, sometimes people are dying when they release the gases and uh, people might be even dying around them. And then when they try to burn them, the burning plants are also like very badly planned and pollute a lot much. So there was like big, especially in Shias in the Arhangelsk area, there was three years of protest action and camp with some radical direct actions and it was eventually successful. So this kind of local environmental issues, they can still, even before the war, during the last couple of years, they could be successful, but nothing. And also stuff related to social politics, but the foreign politics is not really possible to influence. Okay, now again. problem here so so yeah what has happened to anarchy and anti anarchist this is a book uh, in 2012 there was still quite a big uh, anarchist block in um, one of these oppositional demonstrations opposition demonstration against the election fraud but since then uh, the especially anti-fascist movement, but the anarchist movement have been in the decline. Like main reasons here is the repression and impossibility to do street actions, because also anarchist strategy it was pretty much to organize street demonstrations. But this has been basically made impossible in, uh, during the last couple of years. But Antifa also went to decrease not only because of this, but also because the official authorities they repressed lots of the Nazis. There was a big split in the fascist movement, also in the Donbas war, because some of the Nazis were supporting Ukraine and others were supporting Russia. So they also went to decline. Decline, many of them were sent to prison, and even some of the Antifa were supporting the separatists in the Donbass. This didn't really happen with the anarchists, but some of the Antifa, there was always Antifa in Russia, was a very wide coalition, and there were some people who were kind of patriots or Soviet nostalgia types, and some of them were supporting the Donbass thing, but probably. It was a minority, but the whole thing became less relevant after the decline of the fascist movement. 
In the 2008, I think there was not like fascists killed more than 100 people in Russia with the different assaults. But uh, now it's just might it's still happening, but it uh, might be just few people each year. And Nazis very seldom also attacked uh, some uh, punk concerts or hardcore concerts, which was made basically one of the main reasons why many people in this hardcore and punk scene they organized against fascists. Uh, but uh, but yeah, but the yeah, main thing is that anarchists were not really they did there was not really any strategy for this kind of situation that you cannot do a street actions. There were a couple of oh yeah, I forgot to say this. I passed. So Navalny movement was basically. Dominating last before Navalny went to prison in January of last year, the Alexei Navalny's movement was dominating pretty much the street opposition, and there are a couple of reasons for this. He is quite skillful politician. He was originally in Yabloko Party, but he was kicked out for being too nationalistic. But then around 2012, he completely dropped this uh, kind of nationalist aspect and concentrated to kind of least common denominator tactics like anti-corruption anti was something that basically everyone kind of agree even like some quite conservative types and leftists and, and hardcore liberals kind of they can everyone like hardcore market liberals everyone can agree that corruption is bad so this is what Navalny was concentrating and also another aspect is that he was always making this kind of live action role playing that uh, Russia is a normal country where you can be a normal activist, a normal politician. Okay, maybe they don't accept you to go to elections, but then you can at least vote for this uh, systemic opposition. So always he was promising that we don't have to do so much. We can just vote and uh, share YouTube videos and this is enough. So this is kind of has appealed to people, especially when protesting became more dangerous. Mm. It was quite a popular idea that uh, you don't have to be maybe like super radical. And also one thing that he always had kind of ambigu ambiguous politician on the Crimean takeover. He had a, that's okay, it was maybe illegal to occupy Crimea, but now we should uh, not give it back because it's the majority of the people wants to stay in Russia. And this is, of course, also kind of populistic position uh, he was supported. So this is all kind of like moderate aspect, but also in practice, Navalny movement also, they managed to legitimate non-permitted protests, which was a new thing. Like it used to be 15 or 20, 15 years ago that only anarchists were interested to organize some demonstration without the permission or maybe anti-fascists or some other uh, like radicals, but most of the people they would never come to this kind of demonstration. They always want to have a negotiation with the authorities. But um, now Navalny movement is the first one who managed to organize like mass non-permitted demonstration where it can be 15,000 people and uh, many arrests and, and criminal cases. But so yeah, back to what happened to anarchists, one of the reasons also set back for the anarchist movement was the network case. It uh, started 2017 and 2018, but still is, is going on. 
there was a group of anarchist repressed in, in uh, Penza and St. Petersburg. They were quite heavily tortured, which was a new thing against the anarchist movement, or not completely new, but not so common. They already, before the police was often torturing like Islamist rebels or Nazis or national Bolsheviks even, but not so much anarchist or Antifa, but now they were giving electric shocks and, and everyone was confessing whatever they put. And this was more or less frame-up case. It was basically people who were, had this kind of insurrectionalist orientation and they were preparing for arms struggle, but they didn't have any concrete plans or um, any any much of, like some weapons, not very much. And mostly they were just like discussing stuff and, and also most of the people didn't knew each other before. It was just someone knew another person who knew the third person who knew the fourth person. Which also means that originally there was not so much uh, solidarity between them. And also these people, especially people in the city of Pensa, they were kind of in the periphery of the anarchist movement. So that they were arrested, people only learned like two months after. But basically in some months, pretty much all the anarchist movement mobilized to defend them. And this... Uh, so even if the situation was pretty difficult, because this was obviously order from a high level of the FSB, this was not just some local FSB, FSB repression, but it was like high level decisions to shut these people down. And this kind of political case, it's already very difficult to campaign against. But there was a quite good attempt, but then eventually also it was published in some of the oppositional paper, online paper, this Medusa, that a couple of these people might be involved in some drug-related murder case. And this pretty much destroyed also the solidarity mm -hmm. campaign. They were still uh, prepared. They were still like anarchist campaigning, but not much people outside uh, from the movement. But in general, even without this controversy, I th but the, most of them don't, uh, there is still not much clarity on this, and there is still no any sentence or even investigation on this uh, drug-related murder case. But, uh, but yeah, it's still, uh, and uh, most of them definitely don't have anything to do with this, because they were not very much, people were not so closely connected with each other. But yeah, this is, but because like this was one of the kind of common big anarchist campaigns, but it failed. And it probably would have failed even even without these revelations. Another was the Azad Mithahov, this is connected because after this Pensa came became public, there was a small demonstration in Moscow, where was also some windows of the ruling, this United Russia, Putin's party were broken. Broken and uh, there's also people were arrested and tortured, many people had to escape abroad. Also, after the network case, maybe 40 people had to escape from Russia altogether. So most of the people connected were not uh, caught. But this was also, like this kind of thing 10 years or 15 years ago would have been possible to do in Moscow. The police cops were not so much interested if there was some small uh, direct action in the demonstration or or some windows broken or graffiti, but now it kind of became impossible and this was impossible and this was a lesson to everyone that it's not impossible, but there is still not kind of new strategies for this new situation. 
But yeah, Azad got uh, Azad got uh, six years prison sentence. And he's now he's a mathematician, but he's now forced to do some forced labor and some uh, cutting of forests and pretty hard labor. There is quite a, still quite a good support campaign for him, but it's more organized by professional mathematicians and, and this kind of his scientific community and some some anarchists also and students. But so now, so this was just intro, a bit too long maybe, but now we go to anti-war protests. So what happened when the war started? So there was lots of people in the very first day and even before, but especially in the first day of the war, many people went to street and during the first uh, around two months until 9th of May, there were altogether like 15,000 arrests. This is actually wrong, it was not arrest but detentions. Many of these people were released, uh, usually they get some fine. Many people get sentenced to prison for 10 or 15 days because in Russia there is this system that you can immediately give up to 30 days prison sentence without even possibility to really appeal it. You can appeal but the appeal decision is only after the prison sentence. But, uh, but yeah, this is... Uh, but yeah, so, and this is uh, around... This is from St. Petersburg where the protesters managed to basically occupy the city center for some time. And uh, there is lots of, of petitions, some of them have more than a million signatures against the war. Also lots of sector-specific uh, petitions, like for example uh, university directors, like most of them signed it. Even some uh, oligarchs and big businesses are against this, like for example, local oil company board is uh, that they are against this. And uh, even Orthodox Christian priests, like not the very highest level, like not the bishops and archbishops, but immediately below them, in the quite high level in the hierarchy, there, there is now more than 300 priests that are also signing the signature. So basically this is definitely much bigger protest than just uh, just the usual kind of intelligentsia opposition minded people but it still was not enough to really influence the thing and also there, were, there was some opinion polls during the first weeks but this is getting very unreliable unre uh, and these opinion polls they were also both like state dependent polling agency and then independent agencies and this polls were like from 58 to 71 percent were different. There were different wordings, you cannot always compare this, but this were like uh, with total opposition. But also they are asking like demographic data and there is a huge variation of people between, for example, cities and countryside or young and old people. And the biggest factor like, which is actually defining the position is, is if you are watching the television or not, because Russian television has become a big uh, like brainwashing machine. So according to this same and basically off, even official state on polling agency data from people who are less than 30 years old and who don't watch television, it's 80% are against the war. But this polls I wouldn't even uh, care so much at this point because people basically have stopped answering the polls. Like this is data from one poll which is, was in April, I think in Moscow, which was a street polling. Polling and uh, basically 61% was just refusing to answer the polling questions. So you cannot have any reliable data on this because obviously people who don't answer, they are more likely to be anti-war. And this this global majority, it might have already disappeared, but there is no way to know about this unless people go to street. 
So now I go to different anti-war initiatives and I start from the ones which in my opinion are the most important because Navalny organization is kind of now in the background. Navalny is still making statements against the war from prison but most of his organization was completely banned in Russia. They didn't have like alternative structure. People basically, many of them were imprisoned. Others had to escape. So they are not anymore so much giving the tone of the streets like they were giving the seven years ago. So now there are other groups and networks. And I think most, um, one of the most important is the feminist anti-war resistance. It was initiated uh, pretty much by people from Southern St. Petersburg. There was a couple of years of feminist group called 8th of March initiative. But in general, the feminism in Russia during the last 10 years, it has gotten very big, especially in the social media. And it's very kind of decentralized uh, kind of structure. There is not like anything much like central organizations or leadership and so on. And this kind of structure can survive in the current circumstances. Now the strategy, they don't call any more like common big uh, street actions, but they call the do small like this kind of visual stuff in the, the neighborhood. For example, this for example says when you are still reading in Ukraine, the children are children are dying. Two hundred and forty children died in Ukraine since the start of the war, and this is just in some park in Moscow. And people do these kind of small things and they do make photographs and then they spread this in the telegram. Telegram has become the most important social media because telegram is already the Russian authorities tried to block it four years ago, but they managed to create a system when they changed the lots of IP addresses very fast. So the Russian authorities basically gave up on blocking Telegram and now basically Telegram is banned in Russia but even the Russian authorities they, they have their own Telegram channels. So it's kind of schizophrenic position that this basically Telegram is banned but the state is still using Telegram because everyone is using it. And yeah, this is I think most of these groups that are, are calling to, I don't even call this street protest anymore because this is maybe not in the street but in the backyard or in the park or something something but it's still like outdoor protest and this is maybe one of the most important but they also targeted this one of the groups which has been behind this is this aid initiative group from St. Petersburg they have been targeted with big criminal case which was basically they are accused that they are making bomb hoax calls which uh, might be that some people at some point were making but this is basically just a pretext to, to arrest and to repress many people but this anti-war, feminist anti-war movement is still going and they have 34,000 people in the Telegram channel. So another is Vesna Human Rights Center. This is a bit like a new because many of the, all the human rights organizations like Memo, Memorial and for Human Rights, they have been banned. So this is basically a new generation. They are maintaining map of protests. It's in the remap uh, com which you can see different kind of protest actions in Russia. They are also originally from St. Petersburg. It's a funny thing in Russia currently that both the most highest segments of the ruling class and also most important opposition movements, they are not from Moscow but from St. Petersburg for some reason. They have 25 people in the Telegram channel, but yeah, they are also already also facing repressions because they still try to organize a bit like a traditional NGO. 
thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not Vesna uh, is not human rights center. It's a political movement. Vesna it's a human rights center in Belarus. Uh, it's no, about. It's, it's about. Not, it's not human rights activists. It's a political activist. Uh, but they are calling. Yeah. Ah, okay. They are okay. still calling human rights, but it's a kind of a political no. movement. Yeah. It's. Yeah. yeah. So then there there is. Uh, there is already around that long time in Russia, like movement for conscientious objection, ob ob objection, and it has become important now because actually, because uh, because uh, you can actually legally avoid not going to war even if you have a, are a contract soldier. Like it's illegal actually to send conscripts to the war. But they are kind of forcing conscripts to sign this contract. Sometimes they are even sending them to front, and in, in the front they are forcing them to sign these contracts. But basically, it's still legal to refuse, even if you sign the contract. It's still legal to refuse to go to war because it's not there is no state of war in Russia. There is a big diagram how you can legally kind of try to fuck up this system. But uh, in practice, of course, it might be difficult because you might have several officers there uh, threatening you and shouting to you. But there are also cases when people actually manage to do this, manage to not to go be in the army, maybe a, a lifelong career of professional soldier, but they manage to not to go to war. And then the more traditional organization to support soldiers is the Soldiers Mothers Organization. It's already existing since the 90s. There are a couple of them because they have been splitting, splitting uh, with each other. But it's basically idea is that it's like organization of mothers of conscripts who uh, they attempt to go to war. But yeah, so this is one of the direction of, of the activities, and they are trying to also spread uh, lots of information about the support entities. It's all the time a possibility that there will be a more, much more wider mobilization. This becomes, of course, much more difficult when there is official declaration of war, but the Putin tries to avoid this as long as possible. Probably at some point he has to do it anyway. So then one of the aspects is kind of anti-colonialist initiatives. This is all because Russia is a country of many nationalities and there are regions where the Russians are actually minority. And especially like many areas have been quite brutally colonized in the 19th century or before. So and also what was obvious since the quite beginning of the war that these uh, national minorities they are heavily overrepresented in the people in, amongst the soldiers who are actually sent to to Ukraine there are lots of um, for example Buryats and Tuvian people from Siberia in these areas who uh, died there because many of these national minority areas they are economically in repressed and there are not, uh, they are very peripheric, there is not much other opportunities. By joining the army, you can increase your income a lot. But yeah, this is mostly in social media, and they are basically trying to create kind of discussion what is basically post colonialist discussion in the Russian context. So it's also these national movements, they have been all the time, since the, or at least since the 80s, many even before, in these uh, different Russian regions. And in the 90s, some of them have bigger separatist movements, but now it's kind of 
emerging and also crossing over with the with the, with the feminist movement because for feminist movement also draws a lot from different Western academic discussion on post-colonialism and so on. But this is basically just emerging trend. This across the networks are not so big, but for example, feminist anti-war movement they are spreading this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is basically, yeah, this is, some of these are official flags of the regions, but some of this is kind of alternative flags. This is just a picture from, for example, Karelians have different flags. This is, this Karelian flag is basically associated of this 20s movement uh, of separatism, which was not approved in the, in the Soviet Union, but some other flags, they have the official official flags so it's but this is just some some Instagram art. Yeah this is lost the, the last two lines in the transfer but it says that they are over representing in the castle this. But can I also yeah. but it's also that people in those regions in this another land than Russia mm. they also support war more than people more correctly uh, I, I I think like for example Chechnya is already it's a completely totalitarian place mm -hmm. so you cannot in all the elections it's ninety nine percent of the votes to Putin and to Kadyrov and so on so I don't think that you can even say how many people are really supporting the war in Chechnya or or and also some of the others like uh, Bashkiria is traditionally quite repressive area. Of this ethnic arrest and so on, so I, I don't cannot. I think it's not really possible to say in this very places how many. Like if there is some opinion poster is calling to you, they are not telling what they really think. But there is not like very in the, some of the areas have had a bigger na national kind of conscious movements before, like Tatarstan, for example. Some of them, it's traditional, there is not such a big movement, but it might be emerging. Because also the thing is that this whole war is, is representing kind of shift of the official Russian ideology. Because, because even Putin, 15 or 20 years ago, he was very much against the kind of Russian chauvinism. And uh, stressing that, okay, we are Russia, but uh, it's not only Russians. And uh, also repressing the Nazi movement and so on. But this war is basically kind of shift that now he thinks that there has to be a big Russian great nation, and you have to join with this nation even if you don't really want to, if you speak Russian. Russian. So this of, of course is increasing importance of Russian ethnicity in the Russian politics and Russian language, and so on. So there is obviously also the interaction will be growth of the ethnic. Opposition moments. Then there are different initiatives to support workers. And the job is all the initiative, super already more than 20 years, supporting uh, online uh, supporting workers. It was basically like blacklist of employers. But now they got, uh, they are also organizing as different workers who have been forced to somehow support the war. This is especially goes to school teachers. And even kindergarten teachers, if they refuse to participate to brainwashing of the children, they might have problems. So the job is organizing legal support on this. And another is this anti-brainwashing. This is the logotype. This is like a thermometer. You can put it to some hot water, and then you can say, okay, I have 
I, I got sick and I don't have to go to work. So they had this kind of days uh, of calling in sick against the war. I don't know how successful or what it was, but it's kind of this kind of anarchist likeness propaganda against the war. It's one of the initiatives. They have also lots of general anti-war propaganda. Okay, there are also initiatives to support uh, people leaving the country or people who want to stay in Russia but somehow escape the repressions inside the Russia. This goes more to the humanitarian area, which is another huge topic, which I cannot discuss because there is also lots of Russian supporting refugees in Ukraine or Europe, or Ukrainian refugees in Russia or Europe and, and so on. Might be even bigger scale than the anti-war movement. But this is more like supporting to the activist rescue forum project and then the Golden Key project it's kind of trying to also to help people who kind of want to stay in Russia but are facing problems. Uh, then I'll go to direct actions. This is map, I don't know it's, if it's really visible, of actions against the military call-up centers. It's been this is maybe already one or two weeks old. There has been more actions in, for example, Komsomalski Nabu Park here in the east. And there has been marking like there is like arson attacks and, and shooting attacks against the military call-up centers. There is also another, like many of the anti-war channels, they are publishing news from any kind of fires and accidents. So speculating if they are, are like sabotage actions against the war, but uh, this of course we cannot know, and also if there is some bigger explosion somewhere, it could be theoretically also, for example, Ukrainian uh, infiltrators, but these actions are very widespread, often they are, don't look very professional, but they are still uh, like burning something, and often in, in very small villages, because the, there is this military bureaucracy, it's pretty bad, and sometimes it's possible that they don't even have uh, have uh, like uh, in cloud copy of their data. So it might be that if you burn this kind of military collapse center, none of the kids on this area will be sent to war at least in a couple of months. So because they might have even stuff in the paper. Uh, so, but yeah, this was the map. But there is also at least three or four arrests of people who have been involved in this kind of stuff, but uh, which we kind of try to support, but sometimes it's difficult to find find these people, because this, none of these people who are arrested, they have any connections to any anarchist movement or so on. It's just individual peace people who don't want to go to war. Um, and there are Molotov attacks against the riot police. There was one picture in the first slide. And also there is attempt to organize attacks against railway infrastructure because the, for the transport of the troops to Ukraine, the railways are very important. But this has been happening less than in Belarus. I wouldn't, couldn't touch really Belarus in this presentation because it's a whole huge topic. In Belarus it was actually, actually quite wide. Movement of sabotage against railway infrastructure in Russia it has been a bit less and maybe doesn't make so much impact, but it's also happening. And also this kind of, of, of line of action is also supported not only by, it's by anarchists, but also some more kind of mainstream opposition people, and even by some Nazis, because there are these accelerationist Nazis, they are against both Ukraine 
and and Russia because they think that Russia is like a Czechist uh, and a Jewish regime and Ukraine is oligarchic Jewish regime so both of them has to be destroyed but uh, this far none of the people who have been arrested of these uh, attacks have been Nazis so probably it's just Nazis talking online but not really doing anything so this is some pictures of the direct action because you often have a security camera so dash cam so this was Komsomol's Anamur this is Actually, not the military collapse point, but this was the National Guard, which is also the riot police. So the building was put on fire. This was in the center of Moscow, Molotov attack. This was, I think, in Shokovo, um, like also an attack in the night against against uh, military, like collapse place for conscription. This is a railway sabotage action also in the Moscow region. This was claimed by group called the Fighting Organization of Anarchist Communists. So this is one of the few actions which actually are claimed by anarchists. Mm. So a bit about the different groups who are calling for this. There is there was a website called Anarchist Fighter. Now it's they I think they remained Anarchist Communist Fighting Organization. They have a blog in uh, no blogs but also they have Onion site. This has been existing already for a couple of years, so this is kind of long-standing insurrectionalist project. But now they also they say that they can send money, send even money to people who do underground attacks. If you contact them, I don't know how this can be worked in practice. But uh, but yeah, but there are other other Telegram channels. Also, one is called Secure Repost, so you can send to me. me information to them securely and they repost about the direct actions. There is a group of volunteer fighters on the side of Ukraine called Free Russia Legion. They have actually a huge amount of subscribers in Telegram, but I also don't know, you maybe can also make uh, buy some fake followers in Telegram. And this might be an initiative which is also more interested uh, interest for Ukrainians. But anyway, it says probably lots of these are also Russians. So this is they claim that they have 400 fighters of uh, Russian opposition activists who are now part of the Ukrainian army. But we cannot be sure for this. And then there is also those partisan initiative, which basically comes from the more mainstream opposition than anarchists. There is, for example, Ilya Ponomarev, who used to be a Duma deputy. He was the only deputy in the Russian Duma who was voting against the Crimean annexation and he escaped to Ukraine and now he is also agitating for a direct action protest in, in Russia. But this is more kind of democratic opposition but also supporting direct actions. Mm, okay, I actually have to have to do a bit here because this has has limited amount of slides because of some bugs of free programming. Okay, now to the repressions. Yeah, there is, we have 
in the anarchist Black Cross of Moscow has at least 28 people, but this is growing every week. It's a bit difficult to even to maintain contacts or find contacts to these people. We probably don't have always even resources to support many of them. This is Alexander Skotchilenko. It was quite, uh, this case has got lots of, of attention. She is like St. Petersburg artist. She was re replacing price tags with some anti-war messages in the shops and someone in the, some other customer in the shop. There was calling the police and now she's in prison because of this thing and might face up to 10 years in prison. There's a new law against uh, this uh, spreading so-called fake news against the war. But they cannot, of course, repress everyone, so it's a very, very kind of random who can get to this kind of shit. Because if they use this kind of law against everyone, they should arrest tens and thousands of people. So it's just very bad luck that basically someone has to snitch on you. But yeah, there is a list which is basically growing every week. But also various initiatives to support one of. Yeah, one of them is Anarchist Black Rose of Moscow. This is a very, it's a very small group, but very old group. It's currently one of the oldest existing Anarchist Black Rose group because it's already existing from 2003. And traditionally, we only only supported the uh, anti-authoritarian and anarchist prisoners. Didn't have resources to tackle on other political prisoners. But after the war started, we got uh, lots of uh, resources and now we are supporting also anti-military prisoners of, uh, who have been repressed. In case we have a contact with the support group, we don't always have. Problems with the slides again. And then, yeah, last is the autonomous section. It's all the also all the organization, Libertarian uh, Communist Federation, which is established in uh, already 20 years ago. But uh, also because of these new circumstances, it was traditionally also very much oriented uh, to street protest actions and uh, kind of being present in the streets, which has gradually become impossible. So now it's become more like a media project. But it also tries to kind of stay in Russia because lots of the journalists they had to escape like all this like traditional uh, big uh, kind of non-Putinist media like Nova Gazeta and, uh, and Media Zona, which was established by the Pussy Riot people and other this kind of independent media. They have been relocated to the Europe, but uh, autonomous org autonomous action it tries to sustain Russia to have more like first-hand uh, knowledge what's happening there and uh, spreading the news from there and uh, yeah we will 
fine launch uh, fundraising drive in in the June to be able to maintain this thing because the problem is that there was never so much kind of it was never so much uh, interest to maintain some online presence. It was always kind of more uh, IRL kind of activities in the streets and, and some support events and so on. So there was not so much kind of people and effort and so on to have a working online or social media project. So we needed some resources for this. So we tried to get a fundraising drive for this. In, in June already. But anyway, this was, yeah, okay. We still have maybe five or ten minutes for some questions or discussion. Yeah. Besides, you are not about anti war movement in Russia, and I was really curious to look at it last year because I'm from Ukraine and we have World Aid here. So we are talking about workers in the beginning of the in the site three months ago, but it's not popular anymore. But what was last eight years because for me uh, nobody from Russia conducted our groups till like this three months so I'm first time I'm from Ukraine I'm first time here and we actually have anti war movement so I'm curious what about anti war movement during these three eight years and also what about anti war movement on the war in Syria because Russia also don't people in Syria so I'm curious about this I think there was not much. The Syrian war, it was didn't influence so much the Russian society. There were some like discussions, some writings, like criticizing of it in, in some of the media. But there was not any kind of movement with the Syrian thing. Like I wouldn't say that there was much of movement against this. And also this kind of dormant. There was a big uh, demonstration in 2014 when uh, there was a Kremlin annexation and the war, but then when it became kind of the dormant phase with just uh, shooting but uh, from time to time, but uh, not so much in general happening, it's kind of disappeared from the agenda from maybe spring of 2015 to 2022. So there is now kind of this movement which started from February, it's kind of new situation and new movement. Which you started. Um, you talked about the uh, Kalinikan and like media propaganda, and Eric was able to say a little bit more about that, like how people like, and people think that, and the servants, like what people can do to fight like, the uh, It's a bit strange because it was people were kind of supposing that when the internet becomes more widely used in Russia, people would start to find independent sources of information. And I think there was, I found some information from maybe 2020 or 2021, that 85% of Russians, they have internet access. But it's not, it doesn't really happen that people go to find some alternative news, it's just that people have some, their own ideas, and then they just go to internet to find more proof that they are right. Yeah. So internet apparently is not something that can much convince people. It's it's a good mobilizing tool, but it's not it cannot really turn someone's opinions. And I guess just, but I wouldn't say that even in general. Like okay, there is this opinion polls, but in general, Russian is Russian society is very anti-political, like apolitical. It's not that 
people even have much of opinions. There was like people may can say that okay, we trust Putin, but they don't really so much even want to think what is doing. People in general perception, people's perception is that politics is something that is out that they cannot influence and they try to think is as little as possible. So I wouldn't say there is lots of I I could have put pictures of this crazy stuff like uh, people in the kindergarten uh, singing praise to Putin or there was even a hospice of dying children and they were making together some propaganda some pretty freaky stuff but this would is also I think quite a small fraction of the Russian society it's basically most of the people just try to avoid politics. But this is also what's happening now. It's kind of result of this kind of um, kind of escape from uh, politics. Yeah. Yeah. I had a pleasure. I'm part of managing this like blocker. We were yeah. some people from here that went to St. Petersburg in December, mm. and I mean, so then I've been able to be in contact with some people throughout the spring, and it's been from uh, our I'm saying that a lot of people left. The people that had, and then I mean, people went to the DC and Istanbul. And, and I mean, my impression from here is that the people over, like, I don't know, over the 60s, um, they are still there struggling for other people, that younger people around the country left. And I'm just curious if you, is this, I mean, this is very much from this mind, uh, my impression, uh, if you want to say something on how many people that have left, and also. The possibilities to leave the different parts of Russia yeah. today, if you want to go abroad, and also maybe if you want to say something how the I mean, if a possible national organization also now there is, regarding that that war There is. It, it is a huge thing, and this is actually one of the main thing. Like, it's not only issue. Of course, now it's a huge wave of these tens of thousands of people who went, but because it was not possible to go to Europe, I think. Place. People have been going mostly to Turkey and Georgia and Armenia, and, and but also whatever places they can go. If you have a visa, you have to go where the visa is. So people end up in most strangest places. And uh, many people seems to think that uh, it would be very kind of they would continue campaigning there, but I think it's also quite challenging to move the new country. You have to find and probably new job and learn the language and. Uh, and Probably people around are not even so much interested of what happens, but but this is not like new development. I think for people I was active in Moscow with 15 years ago, like half of them have moved out, and this is obvious. Like I cannot, it's difficult. You cannot in one hand criticize these people because people maybe want to live some normal life and not to go to. Because like my friend said that, okay, I could still, uh, and it's still possible to stay in Russia without talking anything and doing anything. And you can just go your job and, uh, and not to talk about your opinions to anyone you don't uh, trust very much. But people think, many people think that this is not the real life. And also you could, and there is also like some friends of mine said that it's not even, uh, like there are people doing this very radical protest and not everyone is being caught, but uh, they also, but this is also something that might be difficult to do if you are like, like a non-activist, because if you are non-activist, then uh, the police will follow you. There is also a very, especially in Moscow, there is a huge system of face recognition. Mm -hmm. And I have friends who was even, was she was all the time going with the mask, but there was it, it was still recognized just for the eyes and also whatever. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, picked in the metro. So if you are non-activist, they maybe can sometimes arrest you every day. So it's not really so much possible for you to do like some direct action thing if, if you are continuously being monitored. So yeah, lots of people are, are, stay, are leaving. But I would also say that mostly like people who have families, they are maybe more inclined to stay because they maybe have uh, some uh, like steady, more or less steady life which they combine with the politics. But especially like people who are 20 something, they are living and, and many of these networks. Also, the anarchist Black Cross uh, and the autonomous section is partially by, by migrants run. So it's not that everyone is there staying. I'm also not. Uh, I was. I would have stayed, but it was. Well, I could also when I was deported, I could have gone underground and and stay there and maybe even have some crappy job. But this would be a bit more heavy and probably not much possible to do any politics in this uh, situation. And this is basically what the kind of non-activists are in this kind of situation. But. It's still some people trying to stay there. Pussy riot people, they were, for example, because it's much more than the people who were in jail. There have been uh, more and more people joining them, but they were basically just giving them uh, like uh, home arrests or every 15 days a new jail sentence. And uh, every time they go out from the flat, they were arrested. So basically almost all of I, I think now more or less all of them have been forced to leave. So. Yeah, but yeah, it's a big thing that people are, are, are leaving, but I don't know if, if you can really do something with it. Actually, I have to repeat that question to the microphone, otherwise it's not, not, yeah, but in the next question I have to repeat. Yeah. Any more comments? There was any other comments to the question. It's also very, oh, I'm rushing it. Yeah. Uh, it's also it's a privilege to leave Britain. It's very expensive and it's very hard to cross the border by car or by bus because you have a valid reason. Mm. We already either have to have the rental permit somewhere or you have to have a cell phone or something like that. Mm. So, and uh, living by plane is extremely expensive because obviously rental flies to Russia and from Russia are from home. Uh, so, and now Galicia and Ireland have, and mm -hmm. Istanbul as well, we have, they have become very, very expensive because we pay of uh, immigrants from uh, Russia. So, mm -hmm. unless you're, you're working for, like, let's see, unless you have uh, a remote job, and then Venezuela's initial banks, that if you receive a salary in Russia, it's very hard to use those to use that money outside of Russia. So, um, a lot of people actually, like, it's not only that we have like, some people have families and that, but it's also a lot of people, a lot of people who are organizing for, uh, um, uh, anarchists and communists, like, working class people, they cannot think, you know, you know. Yeah, and it's also kind of, it's, I think, I think uh, because in Russia there is like different IDs for internal traveling and going abroad. To go abroad you need a special passport and it's not super expensive or difficult to get it. Uh, at least it didn't used to be. Now there might be more control on this. But most of the people just didn't get it. And, and uh, the language teaching in the school has been deliberately pretty bad. 
always because it kind of has to be, but also it's bad if people learn too good some other language. So for someone who never went abroad in their lives and uh, who never even had this passport to travel abroad and doesn't know any language, it's a pretty high. Even if it's possible somehow, I don't think that people would die in hunger even if they go to Tbilisi now, maybe they would get some help, but it's impossible uh, psychological barrier. Yeah. example with from the resistance committee okay and, but, uh, but it's um, but I, I don't know if it's really like this is not uh, the situation now okay you can say that it's not a big movement but I would say that 50 if there is 50,000 people arrested or, or detained during uh, three months it's much more than there was for example against the Chesson war 
they, because, they had yeah. days in yeah. jail. My comrades already one lost a life. They had days in jail and they stopped going to the street. Now it's no mm. protest. I'm also in contact with people from Australia. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not I'm not interested Sorry, of private I no. Yeah, no. Sorry. I shouldn't have no. I'm not personally like I saw the situation during the Chesha War, it was much worse. Like then the biggest action in Moscow against the Chesha War, it was 600 people. And most of the actions, it was just uh, like 20 people or 30 people and so on. So now it's still uh, obviously not enough people protesting, but it's much uh, sectors that uh, were not protesting before. So I think in uh, some time there might be something changing. But of course it's obviously not enough. And I think, uh, like I'm also not in Russia, so I think people are better to better to find their strategies themselves. Something might be, some people might be that it's good to support this consciousness objecting. Some people think it's good to do these uh, decentralized actions and so on. But uh, no one knows what is the method that would work because this is kind of society which quite suddenly moved to. Uh, it's in a way, it's a very slow development. Slow development because Putin already got to power in 99 and it was already then. Everyone expected uh, that um, this will uh, not end up very well, but then the kind of destruction of the civil liberties, it took a very long time. And still people were kind of, in a way people were not expecting this, but as I said, in the last eight years, the movement kind of moved in the way when the repression was stronger. Also, the movements got more and more moderate. People were more and more interested. In the, like, the Navalny got the domination of the, of the Russian um, civil society because he kind of promised that everything is normal, even if it was not. And the reason why Navalny got to jail, it was that he had to go to the very end with his story. He had to, to go to the very end with his story. He had to kind of prove that, okay, I can go to Russia, I can still do something. And now he will be in prison for maybe 10 or 15 years and probably die there. So, so it's kind of sad story, but this is how people's uh, psychology works. Like when the situation is get worse, people are getting more and more optimistic. And anarchists were never kind of naive in this thing. And the anarchists kind of always were expecting that you might have to change the strat strategy very radically but there was not never like uh, this never again so much support support in the society but might be that it will again now yeah okay i guess we are already over time i don't know if the next group this presentation is going to be here but anyway thanks for the questions and the comments